Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Ortho Valpal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and I truly can't believe that it's episode 120. I think I might have said that when I hit episode 20. Um, I just seem to find more content and uh, getting so much more feedback from folks about uh, what we're doing and how it's been helping everybody, so I'm totally excited about that. Um, Today we're going to be talking about scapular winging, and we're going to talk about if it is the source of shoulder dysfunction. So we're going to be, you know, scapular winging is kind of rare, but it needs to be recognized and addressed. And I've seen several of these in the past. We'll talk about uh, some of the patients that I've had and uh, give a little description of how we manage them. We're going to talk about some of the causes of scapular winging, how to evaluate it how to treat it, and we're going to talk about how the scapular position uh, can affect the rotator cuff function. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind just holding for a second, listening um, to this sponsor spot, and we'll uh, be back in just a bit. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Before I get started today with our talk on scapular winging, um, I, I'm not one to boast very often, and uh, I just thought I'd uh, bring this up. I was super excited to see that Feedspot um, voted us number two uh, in the top 15 of orthopedic podcasts uh, recently. Um, I found this out yesterday and uh, was was really happy about that. And, you know, putting up a podcast is not easy. Some people think that you can just sit there in front of a mic and um, just let it flow. But uh, it takes a lot of prep time. There's some editing that has to uh, go on with this, uh, taking this and putting it into social media and spreading the word. Uh, and it does take a lot of time uh, to do this. I have some great help with a gentleman by the name of David Allen who helps me with uh, getting the podcast up and uh, ready to go for the show after I do uh, my talk. Um, But really, the show would not be able to continue. It would not be growing as quickly as it's growing without all of you, uh, my listeners, who are there all the time asking questions, jumping onto our YouTube channel, checking that out, putting up some comments, giving us a thumbs up, subscribing to the channel, and uh, doing all of that. Um, It's 
you know, we don't make tons of money uh, podcasting, uh, so any help we can get out there, donations uh, or uh, anything of that sort, uh, and just uh, actually listening and, and, and being there um, can help with all of that. So again, thank you all for listening. Greatly appreciate it. So let's get started with the uh, with the scapular winging, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some sources. You know, why do people develop scapular winging? Well, I think we need to talk a little bit about the anatomy, and the biggest culprit here really is a serratus anterior muscle. Now, the serratus anterior originates at the anterolateral aspect of the ribs, one through nine. Okay, and that muscle group travels posteriorly underneath the pecs, underneath the lats, and inserts onto the ventral surface of the medial scapular border. Now, this muscle is innervated by the long thoracic nerve, and I think that there's a lot of people out there that know that the long thoracic nerve innervates the serratus anterior. Um, It just seems to be this kind of... Um, quiet muscle that we don't talk about all the time, but we, we seem to know you know quite a bit about it. And um, so the long thoracic nerve is a branch of the brachial plexus. Okay, it's derived from C5 through C7 nerve roots. Um, and the action of the serratus is to help pull the scapula forward and around the rib cage and keep the scapula up against the rib cage so that when you elevate the arms into flexion and abduction, um, that helps to move in the same direction, but keep a good, stable glenoid so that your humerus can work on that, okay? So that's very important. The um, serratus anterior is extremely important, and the long thoracic nerve um, needs to function well and uh, send messages to that muscle. Otherwise, it will not work well. Although the long thoracic nerve injuries are the most common. I've also seen people with dorsal scapular nerve injuries that affect the rhomboids. So if the rhomboids are not retracting the scapula very well, the scapula can wing a little bit and and lose control and stability. So therefore the glenohumeral joint won't function well. And I've actually even seen a couple spinal accessory nerve injuries. And one of the best one that I had ever seen was a long time ago, uh, before we even started videoing patients, um, a gentleman was hit in the upper trapezius with a long handled shovel, um, which was stuck in a machine that came back and struck him and developed a spinal accessory nerve, totally lost his uh, upper, uh, upper trap, especially, and uh, part of his traps. And, and um, it was a very, very interesting situation. If I get a chance, I'll try to find that picture and um, put it into the links of this uh, show. So keep in mind that um, there can be other nerve injuries that can cause winging of the scapula. Okay. So what are some of the causes? Well, I just mentioned one, which which is blunt trauma to the nerve, okay? That can happen. I've seen situations like softball pitchers uh, sustain traction injuries or um, they try to grab onto something, the arm gets pulled really quickly and they develop a traction injury to uh, the long thoracic nerve or other nerves. Um, repetitive motion can also cause uh, uh, you know trauma and problems to these nerves. Now, there are also less physical and less traumatic causes of scapular winging, okay? So things like viral illnesses, you know, you should ask your patient, have you been sick in the last four or five months or have you been out of the country um, here where I, I live on the Canadian border? So I usually tell people, you know, where I mean, we go come and go there so quickly uh, and so often, but we ask them about other countries that they go to and, um, you know, some people could develop uh, something that they've just never been exposed to and uh, and end up with some viral illness 
that could cause neural uh, issues. People can have allergic reactions. And um, I've actually seen an issue where uh, somebody had a tumor compressing the nerve, causing shutdown of that nerve and causing scapular winging. And then the last thing that we will see uh, on occasion will be cervical radiculopathy, um, causing those nerves to shut down and just not function as well. How do you diagnose this? Now, sometimes it's very evident Patient comes into your office, you take a look at their back, and this scapula is just sitting 90 degrees perpendicular to the rib cage, and it's jumping right out there. This is important, and I've seen this missed several times in the past. You need to have the patient take their shirt off or have um, women put uh, a tank top on. You need to take a good look at that scapula from behind. Now, you ask the patient to flex the shoulders and abduct the shoulders and notice if there's any abnormal scapula humeral rhythm. Um, Sometimes the patient will not even be able to lift the arm past 90 degrees. They'll feel like something is just not working correctly. They don't always have pain with this, but most of the time they do because of the abnormal glenohumeral compression um, and it drives up into the uh, superior glenoid and that that can really give you some trouble. So you want to take a look at that. Um, Have the patient do a modified push-up and watch to see if the scapula on one side wings more than the other. There are some people out there who are just really lax. Um, They don't have uh, really good tone, and therefore the scapula might wing a little bit uh, naturally. That's not unusual, okay? So what you're looking for here is asymmetry from one side to the other. Now, I like to test that quote-unquote push-up position manually. So I like to put, just imagine this, I'm standing on the left side of the patient. I put my right hand just below the scapula and I have them put their left arm out like they're saying stop to somebody in front of them. And I put pressure against their hand and they try to push against me and I just take a look at that scapula to see how it reacts to that to see if it's contracting Um, and you can even get that serratus anterior to function a little bit better and contract a little bit differently by putting them into 120 degrees of flexion that will actually put it in a position where it's going to have to work a little bit harder. Um, If the patient has um, you know painful and or poor shoulder abduction or flexion, um, I then hold the scapula in place and ask the patient to lift the arm again. So I will watch them. I'll watch them before I put my hands on them. I'll say, flex your arms and abduct your arms. Then I will go behind them. I'll put a hand on that scapula. I'll keep that medial border down and I'll help to push the scapula anteriorly around the rib cage as they are flexing or abducting the arm. Now, I don't tell the patient what they should be feeling, I say, does it feel different? And oftentimes, if the problem with elevating their arm is coming from their scapula, by putting that scapula into a better position, they will be able to elevate that arm better. Okay, so that tells you there's some sort of a scapular issue here going on. Um, You know, if you're suspecting a nerve injury, then this patient may need to get an EMG. And I'm not a doctor. Okay, I'm a physical therapist, but I've seen a lot of these things and we've communicated with a lot of physiatrists and neurologists about, you know, nerve testing and that type of thing. And um, one of the things that I have been told over and over again is that you really should not do an EMG on a patient until about three to four weeks after the time of injury or onset. Um, Seems like the results don't come out as accurately as they could. Um, And so therefore, you know, it's kind of a waiting game.
In the meantime, I talked to the patient about some expectations. If we're suspecting that there's some sort of nerve damage going on here, um, these can take a long time to get better, okay? They can take up to a year and a half to two years to get better, to get completely better. Now, with that being said, it doesn't mean you shouldn't treat it, okay? Um, having that scapula in a better position can make the person much more functional, and it can take a lot of tension off of other muscle groups that are trying to compensate, such as the upper traps. It's not uncommon for somebody with scapular winging to have upper trap pain and headaches because there's constant tension trying to support the arm and uh, trying to elevate it uh, a little differently. So when you change the mechanics of that whole scapula humeral uh, joint, it can it can cause other problems. It can cause impingement. Um, and because when that scapula is winging, the glenoid is moved anteriorly a little bit. And therefore, when you try to elevate that arm, it's just not sitting in the right place. So you'll develop more impingement type problems. The other issue that you'll find is that because the rotator cuff is not in its optimal length, it will not function very well. And and we've talked about active and passive insufficiency in um, some of our YouTube videos. And the, the problem is that a lengthened muscle and or a shortened muscle does not function as well as a muscle that it's in his mid-range. So if the scapula is not uh, sitting in the correct area, well, think about it. Your infraspinatus, teres minor, supraspinatus, are all part of that. Your subscapularis is part of the scapula. Okay, so if those are not in the right position, they will not function optimally. So what do I what do I do to treat these people? I will try different things, okay? First of all, to see how well they respond. Um, so I will start with like a like a hard tape, um, kind of like a luco tape, and I will try to hold that scapula down while the patient is attempting to do flexion and abduction exercises, maybe internal external rotation, just to try to rebuild some of that rotator cuff and build some stability in that glenohumeral joint. So. Oftentimes, they will gain several degrees of motion with the use of tape. Um, sometimes I will try to do some functional stimulation, some NMES, to the rhomboid and medial border of the scapula to see if we can you know, activate or engage that serratus a little bit, maybe even uh, incorporate some rhomboids there to give some stability so that they can actively use that arm better. While they are taped or while they have the stim on, I may do loading activities like in the quadruped position, some light serratus punches, maybe put them on their back and do some alphabet spelling while they have a ball in their hand that is weighted, um, just so we can kind of activate and, and, and keep that scapula in place. I'll also put them on in the supine position um, because the scapula will hold itself into position better. So that's a great position to be re-strengthening the shoulder musculature so that that scap stays right where it needs to be. Uh, and that can be very helpful. There are different types of compression shirts out there. I know one we've used in the past with patients is a, the, the S3 shirt. Um, and it has different uh, areas that you can Velcro straps to hold the scapula down. And just the tightness of the neoprene and the tightness of the shirt maintains a better posture and keeps the scapula retracted a little bit better and keeps that medial border down up against the um, thoracic cage a little bit better. So if people... You know, come in and they say, uh, you know, we had we had a gentleman who was a plumber and he said, listen, I, I know it's going to take a year and a half to two years for this to get better, but I need to work. I'm self-employed. So we put him into an S3 shirt and his ability.
ability to function was significantly better. Um, and that will not work with everybody because you have to have just the right fit for these types of shirts. Um, so anything you could do to help keep that scapula into a better position uh, can be very helpful. Now, sometimes... Uh, the scapula is so unstable, the serratus is just not activating, or there's permanent nerve damage, some people will require surgery. And I'll always remember one of the first patients I had had who um, was a softball pitcher. She was about 17 years old and came to our office uh, with a diagnosis of impingement. And she, I asked her to elevate her arm into flexion, and her, and she dislocated at about 75 degrees. Then I asked her to uh, abduct after we had reduced it, asked her to abduct and she dislocated again at about 55 to 60 degrees. So then we took a look at her scapula and she had complete scapula winging. And on top of that, a multi-directional shoulder instability. Um, and so she had surgery for this uh, to help stabilize this. They took a piece of the middle part of her pec out and they drove that along her thoracic cage drilled a hole through the medial border of her scapula, put that tendon in there, um, which was the raffi between the uh, upper and middle pecs, uh, and that stabilized her beautifully. They did a multidirectional um, procedure to help give her some stability at the glenohumeral joint. Um, this young lady at six months had full shoulder range of motion, full function, no pain, did very, very well. Um, and so there are surgical techniques to help with these. They're a little technical, um, but uh, you know if they are not responding to conservative therapy, you definitely need to speak to a shoulder specialist to see what they can do to help stabilize that uh, arm so that the glenohumeral joint can function a little bit better um, and uh, hopefully, you know, decrease pain. So that is our talk today, folks, on um, serratus uh, anterior problems and scapular winging. Uh, if you have any questions, please get in touch with me. All of the links to the uh, website, our one-on-one -on -one coaching webinars and more are all in the show notes today. Um, please feel free to get in touch. I'd be more than happy uh, to chat with you. And again, thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.